Good morning. Good morning again. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Jeff Pizans. My pronouns are he, his, him, and among others. And I will be your service leader this morning. I will be joined by our minister, Reverend Rosemary Morrison. We hope that you online, you in the sanctuary, you who are visiting, and you who are watching at some future date on YouTube, we hope that all of you feel welcome this morning. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in our in common support and action. Whatever your heritage, whatever your faith, whomever you love, whomever you identify, however you identify, you are welcome here. We gather this with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all our children. We are grateful as well to all the volunteers who make this service possible. The list includes the greeters and ushers here in the sanctuary, all the people who work to deliver this, ser this service online, and those who created this service with words, with words, <laughs> with images, and with music. <clears throat> So, uh, Reverend Rosemary, I think you have an announcement. Good morning. We've been talking a lot about the Dragging Youth series, all the controversy that's been going on, and I just wanted to report that the event happened last evening, and it went off with only a, mi a couple of minor little wee hitches, and... Um, Everyone was safe and everybody got home and uh, the place was jam-packed and it was a party in here last night. It, uh, I'm sure we can almost feel the vibes still from, from last night. It was wonderful. There were about 10 protesters and I think the, uh, the people with the good intentions and the love for the Dragon News series, I think we outnumbered them probably 10 to 1. So it was pretty great. It was a wonderful evening, and uh, I think we should be very proud. Um, there was a lot of gratitude to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton for, um, for sponsoring and supporting Dragon Youth Series. So thank you. Well, that's good news. Um, as we begin this special time together, I invite you to quiet your devices so that we can all enjoy the service together. This morning we awaken, we awake to news about another mass shooting, about political change, chaos in Israel, and our ongoing social and political problems here in Canada and in Alberta. As the service goes on, I invite you to reflect on Reverend Rosemary's main message this morning, learning to be you, amidst all that's going on around us and inside us. We open with a musical prelude, which provides each of us time for calming, contemplation, and perhaps for inspiration. The piece this morning is called To a Wild Rose. It's by Edward McDowell, and Gordon says this is part of his mother's repertoire.
Thank you, Gordon. That was beautiful. Good morning. Oh, so we'll try that again. <laughs> Look alive. Good morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So much better. Thank you. As Jeff mentioned, my name is the Reverend Rosemary Morrison, and it is my pleasure and honor to serve this congregation here in Edmonton. It is a delight to do so, and I have just been enjoying my time here so much. The call to worship this morning is by Matthew Johnson. It's called For 5,000 Years. For 5,000 years or more, more than 15,000 generations, human beings have been invoking spiritual power. My predecessors and yours have gathered together to make sense of their lives and their place in the cosmos. And they have spoken aloud and invited what they conceived as sacred and powerful to be with them. They called upon the spirits of air and earth and fire and water. They called the bear and the deer. They asked for the raven to protect them. They pleaded for the heroes of old to slay the monsters of their fears. They sang songs they learned from their grandparents and moved in the appointed ways or in ways that were new but felt like it was the right thing to do. And they imputed powers to these spirits and to the memories of those heroes. They called them gods and they were invoked. Vishnu and Kali, Elohim and Odin and a hundred million others. Every group of people everywhere. They gathered to make sense of their lives and to make sense of their place in the cosmos and they called these spirits to be with them and present to them and so do we. So do we. We gather this morning to make sense of ourselves and this universe in which we live the best that we are able and we call ourselves to worship together, and we invoke the power and wonder of life itself, that to which all those spirits of animals and memories of heroes pointed the way. We invoke that power, which is, we know, always, always around, always with us, but which, which we sometimes forget about. We forget that we are part of the whole of creation. We forget that we're stardust. We forget that we are capable of miracles, first among them, that we can love. We forget these things, so we invoke the power of existence so that we can remember, so we can lift our eyes and open our hearts and ears to the true and the beautiful. For 5,000 years or more, we have done this. In many tongues, in many ways, we have done this. And so we continue this ancient tradition in our way and in our time. So now, let us worship together. And I would like to call upon Jeff to read the chalice lighting words and someone to light the chalice. Do we have a, did we, did we do that? No, we did it. Would someone like to light the chalice this morning? 
Anne-Marie, you got it. Thank you, Anne-Marie. This week, the ritual of lighting the chalice is accompanied by some thoughts from Joan Johnson Lewis. As we light our candles this week, we imagine the light that shines within each of us. We each have intention, we each have experience, we each have thoughts, we each have feelings, we each have wisdom. May these candles remind us to be in touch with those best and most unique lights of our own being and to bring them into this room today into and into all that we do in the world. Our first hymn this morning is number 389 in the gray hymnal, Gathered Here. With some luck, the words will appear on the screen behind you. There we go. But it's up to us to make them musical. So feel free to rise as you're willing and able to sing hymn number 389. Three, three times through. volunteers kind of Sunday. I would love a volunteer to turn the pages of the book, please. Thank you. And I would like to ask the um, recorder to stop the recording at this time. Story, right? Isn't that a great story? If the recording stopped, it should go back on. Thank you. Uh, we move now to sharing our abundance. Our community is entirely self-governing and self-supporting. One of the responsibilities of our free church tradition is to provide all the financial support for the work of our church. Generosity, therefore, therefore is one of the values we recognize as central to our personal and institutional well-being. In addition to supporting our church community, we also make a monthly contribution beyond our walls. One half of the unidentified cash that is received is given to an outside organization. Some are local, some are national, some are international. For the month of January, we are sharing our abundance with Change for Children, an organization that was found 47 years ago by Edmontonians and that has deep connections within our church community. It's guided by the words of one of its co-founders, Hank Zip, who wrote that Ordinary people can do extraordinary things. Change for Children is heavily engaged in South America and Africa, 
South America and Africa, and in Central America and in the Caribbean. Its projects involve health, education, water, climate change, and food security, often with indigenous peoples. For those in the sanctuary, if you wish to receive a tax receipt for your gift, you can use the envelopes uh, found in the inside cover of a hymn book or on the table at the back of the sanctuary. Many of our members and friends give monthly or annually through automatic withdrawal. For those of you online, you can visit the Change for Children website to make a donation. And uh, I invite Gordon now to play uh, a bit of music for us to reflect on during the offertory. selected by Reverend Rosemary from A Hidden Wholeness by Parker Palmer. I invite you to think about how it relates to Reverend Rosemary's upcoming message, Learning to Be You. There was a time when farmers on the Great Plains, at the first sight of a blizzard, would run a rope from the back door out to the barn. They all knew stories of people who had wandered off and been frozen to death having lost sight of a home in a whiteout while still in their own backyards. Today we live in a blizzard of another sort. It swirls around us as economic injustice, ecological ruin, physical and spiritual violence, and their inevitable outcome, war. It swirls within us as fear and frenzy, greed and deceit, and indifference to the suffering of others. We all know stories of people who have wandered off into this madness and been separated from their own souls, losing their moral bearing and even their mortal lives. They make headlines because they take so many innocents down with them. The lost ones come from every walk of life, clergy and corporate executive, politicians and people on the street, celebrities and school children. Some of us fear that we, or those we love, will become lost in the storm. Some are lost at this moment, are trying to find their way back home. Some are lost without knowing it, and some are using the blizzard as cover while cynically exploiting its chaos for private gain. So it's easy to believe the poets claim that the blizzard of the world has overturned the order of the soul. Easy to believe that the soul, that life-giving core of the human self with its hunger for truth and justice and love and forgiveness, 
has lost all power to, give our, to guide our lives. But my own experience of the blizzard, which includes getting lost in it more often than I like to admit, tells me that it is not so. The soul's order can never be destroyed. It may be obscured by the whiteout. We may forget or deny that its existence is close at hand. And yet we are still in the soul's backyard with chance after chance to regain our bearings. This is, why, this is about tying a rope from the back door out to the barn so that we can find our way home again. When we catch sight of the soul, we can survive the blizzard without losing our hope or our way. When we catch sight of the soul, we can become healers in a wounded world, in the family, in the neighborhood, in the workplace, and in political life, as we are called back to our hidden wholeness amid the violence of the storm. At the first sight of a blizzard, we'd run a rope from the back door out to the barn. We go off to do the good work that we need to. We feed the cattle, get some education and training, get along or not get along with our partner or family, lose sight of what we once wanted to be. But if we've done it right, and even if our eyes are clamped shut, we have created a handhold, a chance to make it back to ourselves. Even when she was 92, my mom would often say, I don't feel any different than I did when I was 18. It's still just me. I generally like the same things, respond in the same way, just in a little more mature way. I wonder if we could go a step further. Think about when you were in grade school. What did you like? How did you think? How did you respond? How did you feel? How different is that person to the person that is you now, right now, as you listen to these words? Life is unkind. No one gets to be born and get out unhurt. And so we develop coping mechanisms to keep us safe to guard and armor our heart so that we don't get battered about by all that comes our way. The blizzards in our lives can make us lose sight of the spirit of the child that we carry with us. Do you remember back in the day, some of you will, some of you won't, when caring for and championing our inner child was all the rage? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> Personally, I actually found great healing and in that concept and the work that I did around inner child work. During that era, I remember a scene way back when. I was in a lovely little shop in downtown Kamloops that I often frequented. I was standing in line to pay for my purchase and the couple in front of me were having a little argument. One person was saying, I don't think our grandchild, need, grandchild needs quite that many presents. Look, we're getting them two teddy bears. The other partner picked up the teddy bear, held it close and said, this one is not for our grandchild, this is for Amelia. 
my inner child. It's not a, not a word of a lie. But I did make up the name. I couldn't remember the name. At the time, I didn't get it, but I get it now. It was a tangible way to connect with and nurture that person's inner person. They were trying to find their center. They were trying to learn how to be themselves because, well, everyone else is taken. From Stephen Mitchell's translation of the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tse, we join spokes together in a, in a wheel, but it is the center hole that makes the wagon go. We shape clay into a pot, but it is the emptiness inside that holds whatever we want. We hammer wood for a house, but it is the inner space that is livable. We work with being, but, but non-being is what we use. We work with being, but non-being is what we use. What a great metaphor for figuring out what is at our center. Let's just take the house example. When we fill our house up with things that we don't need, don't want, have outgrown, no longer serve us, save just in case, or it might come in handy someday, our house becomes one where we can't function properly. We can't move around. There's no place to ex space to explore, try out some new things. It is only in the empty spaces that we can create, where we can play, where we can function. So perhaps the work then, continuing to use this metaphor, is to get rid of all the things that we're no longer using, that we don't need, that we are saving for a just-in-case. I can't do, I'm not saying that I can do this, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. This is hard. What if we were to examine our lives and decide we don't want to hang on to all those things that aren't part of who we really are, to move the metaphor from um, physical to inside of us? Things that our inner child or little person wouldn't recognize as being who they are. So when our metaphysical clay pot becomes full, our house crowded, we can no longer function and perhaps become dysfunctional. Therefore, to become who we are truly meant to be, to be functional, we need to be constantly doing that internal housekeeping, house cleaning. What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is it that isn't serving me? What are my actual intentions here? Sometimes it's hard to finish the thought. What do I need to pour out in order to make room for what is coming in? When we don't let go, make room for, pour out, the next thing that comes our way spills over, and we respond with, from a place that is already overwhelmed, confused, and hurt, and not from who we actually are. At the first sign of a blizzard, would run a rope from the back door out to the barn. In my mind, it's the rope that goes from the barn to the back door that's more important. We leave our physical and metaphorical homes. We go out into the world to learn, work, figure stuff out maybe, get hurt, feel pain, and grieve as we weather the storm. 
And then we need to find a way, something that we can grab onto that will help us find our way back to ourselves, back to who we really are. When I think of myself as a six-year-old girl living in Melford, Saskatchewan, I experience myself as mostly happy, pretty carefree, super bossy, so says my brothers, a bit of a ringleader, and very friendly and warm. I lost sight of that little girl some throughout some of the blizzards and storms of my life. Sometime after I began to reclaim my sense of who I really was, I was having a conversation with a woman in Victoria at the little UU congregation I was going to. We had actually both been going to the UU church in Kamloops as well, and she told me that back when I was in the ongoing blizzards of my life, her word to describe me would have been, wait for it, mousy. Gordon, am I mousy? <laughs> that word does not describe me now, but it was certainly an accurate description of who I was when I had lost my way in my own backyard. We can also think of the clay pot, the hum of, hub of the wheel, the metaphorical house as us together in congregational life. We together need to take stock, clear away things, Make sure that things don't linger and create blizzards. To help keep things running smoothly, most congregations of most denominations use a covenant to keep things healthy and functional. UCE has, we, together, have just created the first part of a covenant. It was part of the good work that many of you did as a congregation last spring and fall. At the same time, a vision and mission was created. I'll read them for us. UCE's, Unitarian Church of Edmonton's vision is to open doors to all seekers of spiritual growth and nurture positive change for a just and healthy world. Our mission is to inspire social justice by questioning the status quo, engaging community, and inviting all to the table. However, I think it's our covenant that will keep us from getting lost in the blizzards of congregational life. UCE's covenant is, with love as our guide, we pledge to create a beloved community of peace and compassion. We trust our ability to work through conflict. As members and friends of UCE, we agree to honor and respect diversity in values and beliefs as a source of communal strength. Be truthful, kind, and open-minded. Assume good intent and goodwill. Listen with open hearts and speak with care even when it's uncomfortable. Talk to, not about, others. Accept responsibility for our individual acts. Address conflict promptly and ask for help when conflict is too difficult. Be steadfast in support of our community in times of disagreement. Share the ministry of this congregation through gifts of time, talent, and money. And express encouragement and appreciation for the gifts of others. So this is part one of our covenant. 
and we will be working on the next parts together as we did this great work already done. What all this means for us today is this, we can now answer the question. When we're trying to figure some stuff out, we can say, does this, does this help us meet the vision and mission of the congregation? So we can say yes or no and make decisions accordingly. It gives us a guide, a measuring stick, an anchor, a rope to the barn and back. It is our covenant, though, that will really keep us out of trouble. Our covenant basically says that as members and friends of UCE, we have made promises to one another. Unitarian Universalism is a covenantal denomination. We don't tell you what to believe, but we do have ground rules for engagement. And so I'm just going to go over a couple of them in detail. Listen with heart, open hearts and speak with care, even when it's uncomfortable. Talk to, not about, others. I think those two are really hard for everybody. Our covenant tells us that when we are confused, conflicted, or upset with someone, including me, your minister, you need to talk directly to me or them, not other people. Having a covenant of right relations also means that if someone comes to you and wants to complain about another person, your response needs to be, have you talked to them about this? If you, are, if you do engage, it's called triangulating. And that makes for blizzards. The next part of our covenant will give steps and guides as to how to address conflict in a healthy way. But for now, know that if you are upset about something or someone, the only appropriate thing to do is address it directly with the person you're upset with or with the person that is responsible for what you are upset with. Talking about not to someone, is the same as removing the rope from the back door to the barn. We will get lost in the storms that inevitably will happen in congregational life. As humans, we are unable to be in community, get community together without getting on each other's nerves. I know that. We all know that. It's natural and normal. And the swifter and cleaner that it's dealt with, the stronger we will be congregationally. And if you're new here, I'm not talking about ongoing conflicts. There aren't really any. But this is just what I would call, I don't know, vaccinating, <laughs> inoculation for health. So basically, it's very important to address conflict promptly and ask for help when conflict is too difficult. It's very important. If you can't go to the person with your complaint, ask someone to accompany me, accompany you. I would be happy to do that anytime. If your complaint is with me, then we have a committee on shared ministry. They are who you would go to. Ellen Logan, Wendy Smith, David Ray, and Doug Eastwood are on this committee. They will help you get whatever you are upset with sorted out in a healthy manner. We have so many tools at our disposal to keep UCE from getting lost in any storm. We can grab onto those whenever we wish. If you don't know what to do, your first step is just to come and talk to me. 
as I said, if you're upset with me, go to them. <laughs> they are your first step. We are a covenantal community, and as such, we can help each other create the best and healthiest congregation we can. And as we are doing that, we will inevitably be learning about ourselves, who we are, what bugs us, what makes us tick. This is the work of learning to be you and doing it safely in the support and care of UCE and other communities in your life. This is so important. We can't learn about ourselves without being in community. Because we are social creatures. We are meant to be together. Together with the rest of us, we, you, all of us, can become our best selves. So may it be. Amen. I'd like you to remain seated as we sing hymn number 391, Voice Still and Small. And we could bring the lights down. I would like to introduce you to the googly-eyed happy faces that you have. Does everybody have a googly-eyed happy face? Okay, don't you love them? Part of our meditation time following our candles of joy and concern is going to be thinking about how you see yourself. How would your six-year-old self describe you? You could write a word or a phrase that you feel comfortable writing on one side, and then if you wish... Write something about you that others might say about you. In other words, how do you see yourself? How do others see you? There will be time later in the service to put the, the, your face on the tree. So as we do light the candles, be thinking about that. There should be, there's lots of pencils and things. In our Unitarian Universalist tradition, we light candles to represent the joys and concerns of our lives, the milestones, the changes, and even the hopes and dreams that maybe we even haven't thought of. At this time and in this place and in this community, I invite you to light candles of joy and concern. We have two stations. I ask you to come around the outside and then the back of the table light a taper, light a candle, and then extinguish it into the water and leave it in the other basket. If you are new and would like to light a basket, I suggest you just don't go first. Watch and you'll be fine. Thank you.
I invite you now. Thank you. Jeff is going to la light a uh, last candle for all those maybe not even yet known joys and concerns that you hold in your heart. And for each candle lit, there is a joy or a concern, so let's just hold that together and think about and feel and show love and care, feel love and, and care for each one of us. I invite you into a time of meditation. I invite you to sit comfortably in your chair or on the floor or in the, on the couch if you're at home. Follow your breath. Take a couple of deep breaths. Get any of your wiggles out.
and let yourself pause for this moment. I'm going to read a poem by David White called It's Still Possible. It's still possible to fully understand you have always been the place where the miracle has happened. That you have been since your birth. The bread given and the wine lifted. The change witnessed and the change itself that you have secretly been all along. A goodness that can, can continue to be a goodness to itself. It's still possible in the end to realize why you are here and why you have endured and why you might have suffered so much so that in the end you could witness love. Miraculously arriving from nowhere, crossing bravely as it does out of darkness from that great and spacious stillness inside you to the simple, light-filled life of being. Take a few moments of silence, and I'll read the poem once more. It's still possible to fully understand you have always been the place where the miracle has happened, that you have been since your birth. The bread given and the wine lifted. The change witnessed and the change itself that you have secretly been all along, all along. goodness that can continue to be a goodness to itself. It's still possible in the end to realize why you are here and why you have endured and why you might have suffered so much so that in the end you could witness love miraculously arriving from nowhere, crossing bravely as it does out of darkness from that great and spacious stillness inside you to the simple, light-filled life of being said. Take a few moments of silence, about 30 seconds, and then Gordon will play some music. And when the music starts, I invite you to feel free to finish writing on your happy face and then put it on our wishing tree.
see yourself, how others see you, or anything else you'd like to write. Thank you. Okay, I'm really loving the tree. Doesn't look great? That is so cool. Thank you, everyone. I hope that ritual and meditation was meaningful for you. You could think about who you are. What is it, that essence that is within you? And then maybe contrasting that, is that what others see? So in order to finish up our service this morning, we need to sing another hymn. There hasn't been enough singing this morning, as far as I'm concerned. So hymn number 1008, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place, a favorite, a Joyce Poli favorite. Please rise in body or spirit as you are able.
Marie, could I ask you to extinguish the chalice? As our chalice is extinguished, consider these words from The Daring of Our Intentions by Reverend Karen Anderson. May we dare to live from the center of our being. May we make our own choices before others' choices make us. May the fire that burns in our belly light our way. And may that personal commitment to our own individual lights make the world shine anew. Now to the benediction from Mighty Mouse. <laughs> Mighty Mouse, is that what you said? That's awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Gone from mousy to Mighty Mouse. Okay, I'm, I'm with it. I've, I'm, that made my day, week, month. Yeah, thank you very much, Jeff. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things can break, but all things can be mended, but not with time, as they say, with intention. So go and love intentionally. Love extravagantly and love unconditionally. For the broken world waits in darkness for the love and the light that is within you. Go in peace, gentle people. Go in peace. And now I invite us to sing our linking song, Carry the Flame. The words are there. What we do is usually kind of just form a weird sort of circly, snaky thing. And some people want to hold hands, some people don't like to hold hands. So whatever your preference is, just say, like, go like this or something. I don't hold hands. <laughs> I'm not holding hands. <laughs> 